This morning we're continuing in our series, uh, Practicing Faith, and the idea of this series is to be really practical. And there's two things that, that, well, there's one thing that's sort of common to our churches, and that common thing is we like to use Bible names for Bible things. In fact, that was one of our slogans back in the day. And so we get adamant about using words like elder or deacon, um, and we get, we get adamant about using those things, and we're, today we're going to use a Bible word that we don't use very well, and we don't use very often. But part of this uh, has been convicting to me because uh, I'm kind of a black and white person. Any other black and white people in the room? Who, how, who, who are the gray people? Like you see gray. Like you're like, oh, I'm open to lots of different... You're, there's, there, there, are, there are different kinds of people and that's just kind of personalities and how things work. But I'm the kind of person who it's like, you're either smart or you're stupid, Right? It's like, there's like, there's like no, no middle ground, and obviously I know that's not right, you know, but that's just kind of where it is, and, but because of that, I really wrestle with grace. I really wrestle with receiving grace, and I really wrestle with giving grace, so if I haven't been graceful to you, I apologize. I'm sure I'm guilty of that in some way. But what's interesting about the scripture is that from beginning to end, it is a beautiful picture of grace. And when you open up the scriptures... The beginning, Genesis opens up in Genesis 1 with this roiling, teeming mass of water. And over this, this roily, teeming mass of water, there's the Spirit of God and he hovers. And then all of a sudden he calls forth life. Trees and plants and rivers and fields. He calls forth, he calls forth vegetation, fruit. He calls forth animals, beasts, and fish of the sea, and the birds of the air. And every time, he adds this new piece to this beautiful, verdant planet. And he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he decides to make humans in his own image. And he places them in this world. And he steps back and he says, it's very good. And then what's the next thing he says? Do you remember? He blesses them. And says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Enjoy this thing that I have made. He blesses them. And if you fast forward all the way to the end of uh, the Bible, the Bible ends with a picture that's sort of like that, only over all of those eons and ages of suffering and heartache and heartbreak, the world has changed. In fact, it's needed something different. It's needed to be renewed, made alive again. And here is God in the midst of his people in a new earth and a new sky and everything has been renewed. And now we have again the tree of life and the leaves of that tree are healing for the nations. From beginning to end, the Bible is about God blessing. And then about how we screw it up. <laughs> and today we're talking about just that. This word blessing or blessed. Uh, and I want to start with two verses. And these come from the New Testament. I'm going to give them to you. First Peter chapter uh, 3 verse 9 says this. Do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse. But on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you have been called and called into the community of God, into his fellowship, into his people, that you might inherit, not only be the blessing, but inherit a blessing. Paul says something very similar to this in Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Now this echoes Jesus and what Jesus says. Of course, you might remember him saying famously, uh, pray for those who persecute you. Now, both of these verses have their own particular context. And context is a church word that we use to mean everything around that verse. And Peter's context, his big conversation, is about how, um, 
is about how the people of God are, are actually being a curse in their society. They're using this freedom that they found in Jesus to be uh, confrontational. They're the first ones to tweet about everything, right? That's what they're doing. And Peter says, back off. Your point, the reason you exist is to be a blessing. So even when you face pushback and persecution, you need to be a blessing. And the same thing happens here in Romans, only this is more probably within the context of Roman governmental persecution. But either way, we have two words that are really important, bless and curse. And when we use bless in our common... How have you heard people use the word bless? What? When you sneeze? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Hashtag blessed. How many of you have like something that says blessed somewhere? Right? <laughs> uh, bless her heart, which means she's doing something really stupid. She shouldn't do that. Most of the time when people say something like I, I, I'm blessed or I feel blessed, what I think they mean is like things are going well. Right? I'm blessed today. What's that mean? Well, I'm not feeling sick and I haven't gone to work yet. <laughs> like that's, right? I'm blessed. If things are good. That's what we mean. But when the Bible speaks about blessings, I think it's after something much deeper. I think it's after something more meaningful. And while, while in some ways, yes, blessed means to be happy, uh, I would like for us Christians to reclaim that word and fill it out with the meaning that I think it deserves and it needs. And I want to point you to some uh, biblical examples of how blessing worked and we'll do a new te- an Old Testament uh, example and then kind of how it is echoed into the New Testament. You with me? Does that make sense? Good, easy, wonderful, off we go. There is individuals blessing individuals. So one individual will lay one's hands on another individual and confer a blessing that has both spiritual and physical ramifications. We in our modern world think and divide in physical and spiritual. Their world was kind of more cohesive. And they understood that to be well is to be spiritually well, to be physically well, to be healthy, to be wise. Like it is a wholeness that is included in the blessing. And so this will be done, whatever it is that the person speaks, for their good. The first instance I mentioned is is God blessing. But the second where we have a human blessing, another human happens in Genesis. In the story of Abraham and Melchizedek. And you might remember the story, you might not. But the summary is Melchizedek comes out and he brings bread and wine possibly reminiscent of something that happens in the New Testament. And he uh, is a priest of God Most High, and he blesses Abraham. Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Right. So Melchizedek lays his hands on Abraham, and he confers upon him a blessing through the power of God. Same thing happens in the New Testament. You might be more familiar with this story. Jesus and the little children. How many remember that? You got that one? You see, how many of you have a picture of that in your children's room? We, you're, you, Libby, you're probably going to get one. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and this is a beautiful story, right? Jesus is there and he's teaching and these parents bring their little children because they want Jesus to lay hands on him. Some of the texts say specifically, bless them. And, and the disciples say, well, Jesus is busy. He's important. He doesn't have time for your brats. Take him away. And Jesus says, no, let the children come to me. And he lays his hands on them and confers a blessing. Upon them, So you have this kind of one-on-one blessing. You with me? Make sense? There's another kind, and this is more of a communal or corporate, whatever word you want to say, where one person is blessing a group of people. And they confer, again, the same idea of physical or spiritual positive for their good, for the good of that body of people. So a great example from the Old Testament 
Here, God is commanding Moses on what the priests are to be doing. And one of the most important pieces of the priest's job in the Old Testament is to pass blessings on to either individuals or to the community as they have gathered. And specifically, God says this, you are to bless the people of Israel, and this is what you're to say. He even gives them the blessing. The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance towards you and grant you peace. And then this is a very interesting line right here. So shall they, that is the priests, put my name upon the people. So the priest is blessing the people through the name of God, and he is conferring the, the name of God onto the people. It, unites them as the people of Israel, and then God, through that action, brings his blessing upon the people of God. This is interesting because this actually moves forward into the New Testament more frequently than any other form of blessing. And it takes the form of maybe what you've heard of as benedictions. Anybody grow up in like a Catholic church or a Lutheran church? Um, maybe, maybe a I don't know, maybe UMC churches do this. Some of the high Presbyterians do that. Where the, the last thing that a person will do uh, in terms of like maybe a priest in a Catholic church or a minister is confer a benediction. And that's just a fancy way of saying a blessing. And many of Paul's letters and the letters of the New Testament end with this idea. Here is one example from Hebrews. And I, I, I choose this one because we went through Hebrews recently. And, and those of you women uh, are about, who are going to sign up for the small group are going to go through Hebrews again. And here's Hebrews. Now may the God of peace. Now here's the blessing language. May the God of peace. May the God of peace who brought again our, uh, from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you. So here begins the blessing. So we have a lot of this uh, language that refers back to the rest of Hebrews. But here is equipping you. So may the God, this is the blessing language that begins, and equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Which, just for those of you who are new to church, this means make it so. Kind of Captain Picard style. Like that's what amen means. And this is what we call a benediction. Frequently this happens in the letters where the idea is that Paul or whoever is writing that letter is conferring upon the church that is receiving this body of instruction, may you accomplish this. So he becomes kind of this, echoing the priestly Levitical process. May you do this. Everybody with me? This makes sense? I'm, I'm trying to be real, real practical here. And so here is just a little breakdown. I gave you this on prayer a couple weeks back. And so here are your Hebrew verb, your verb and your noun, your Greek verb and your Greek noun. And these all are, have reference to blessing or blessing people. And 463 times we see not only people doing it, but people practicing it and people commanding it. We see this throughout scripture from beginning to end. And yet blessing for us is a hashtag or a picture that you put on your face or some way of saying, oh, hey, I feel good today. These things don't seem like they match. Does that make sense? And so I, I, I have a problem with this, and I think there's a way for us to kind of recover what blessing ought to look like and how it ought to be and how it might become more meaningful in our lives. Now, prayer and blessing are, of course, deeply related. The Bible is not suggesting that Melchizedek had some kind of connection to, like, inside of himself that he could confer onto Abraham. Do you notice that? May the God who owns heaven and earth, give to you this thing that you need. 
Right? Does that make sense? It's coming from God. So he is standing as kind of a channel by which God is using him to confer upon the, uh, Abraham or the people this, this blessing. Because we understand fundamentally that all good gifts come from God. Nothing that we receive that is good comes from anyone other than God. So it might be helpful for, for us to break prayer down. Think of prayer as kind of a large umbrella term. And by prayer we mean an address that necessitates the action of God on behalf of his people. Make sense? And then we can break prayer into two kind of separate categories. They probably should be side by side. And the first category is something where we are entreating God. We are asking God to step in. There's a hurt, there's a pain, there's a need, something is happening, and we need, to, we need God to step in and heal that. And the other thing is that there is a good that we want to have happen. There's a good in the world, and we want God to, to bring that, that blessing, to either ourselves or to someone else. And we naturally do this. We naturally do this. Um, if you've ever had the instance where somebody comes to you or you're having a conversation with them and they're, and they're saying something like, uh, hey, I, I, you know, there's this great job opportunity. I could get this promotion. And what do we do? We pray. We say, well, God, God give so-and-so this, this promotion. God, help this person. Like, God give. So we use, we use thanksgiving language. We ask God to give them this. But what I'm suggesting is that the Bible has a different kind of formula for it. The Bible uses blessing language. May God give you this thing that you need. So what am I suggesting? I'm suggesting that we recognize not only the power of prayer, but the power of blessing. Now last week, um, I kind of cast a vision for all of us to leave this building and any time during the week you encountered somebody who had a hurt, a complaint, a struggle, a trial, anything, you stopped that interaction, right? I suggested with a waitress was the, was the example I used. You slow your interactions down. Everything is so fast. Does, it, does anybody feel like everything is so fast? I went in to get these eyeglasses Oof, more that was weird. I'm still getting used to them. I went in to get these eyeglasses, and this guy, like, he could not have been more. I was just a number on his list, right? And just boom, 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 like, like he flips a few things, and he goes, yep, you need glasses. And I was like, well, now, hold on a second. Can we talk about this? <laughs> I don't want glasses. <laughs> and he's, he's writing things down, and, and immediately, I, he, like, that was it. We were ready to go. I was a number. I was a cog in the machine. I was a number on chart. How many of you feel like that? So I slowed the interaction down. I asked a question. I said, well, am I nearsighted or farsighted? Because I don't know what those things mean. And immediately we begin, he opens up. We begin to have a conversation, right? I mean, everything is happening so fast. It's like we don't even care about people anymore. If anything, we are the people of God. We're the people who are supposed to recognize that when I look at another person, I look, as C.S. Lewis puts, at the holiest thing on the planet. There is nothing else you will run into this week that is made in the image of God. But in our fast-paced, market-driven, consumeristic society, we have forgotten that truth. And what I am encouraging you to do, at least at one point, is to slow all of that down. Last week I said, slow that down and hear people when they have a need. And stop and ask God to interact with that. And on the other hand, what I'm asking you to do is to do the same thing, uh, just with the aspect of blessing. Slow that interaction down and ask 
be a channel for good. Like, can we step in? Like, somebody says, boy, you know, I have this amazing opportunity, or, or boy, you know, I, I have this whatever coming up, and, and uh, I, I, I'm, I just found out I'm pregnant. Like, what a beautiful thing, or people are getting married. Well, what a beautiful thing. Let's slow those interactions down and say, can we, can we just stop for a second and confer a blessing on this new, this new thing that's happening, this new good in our life? And, and more particularly, more conscientiously, more controversially, because, because these verses that we just mentioned, uh, the ones that, back at the beginning, First Peter and, and, and Romans here, man, that's insane talk, isn't it? Like this isn't, I, I just want to make sure that we don't sentimentalize this. Paul is not saying, when someone persecutes you, be nice. When someone says something mean to you, be nice. He's not saying that. He's saying something far more dangerous than this. What is persecution in Paul's life? Shout it out. You remember what happened to him? Shipwrecked. There's one. Floggings. Good times. Jail. Love it. What else? Stoning. You couldn't ask for a better Saturday night. What else we got? Snake bites. That one's not okay. You curse that one. That one's no good. I mean, we, we look at Paul's life. I mean, it is, it is full of all kinds of things. Like, that's what, pers- that's what persecution looks like. And so what is Paul saying? He's saying when someone hurls stones at your face, who lays you over a log, strips you naked, and beats you, bless them. That's a little more dangerous than being nice, isn't it? And I've never experienced any of that, so I, I don't even know that I could say I could live up to that. Like, I'm not trying to say, well, you know, I, I'm just, like, that's something, isn't it? To ponder over. And I think we ought to take it a little more literally and seriously than this. I, I think Paul is saying, because how many of you have ever cursed somebody? I'm not, not like, swore and not, like, dropped an F-bomb or something like that. But, I mean, like, somebody did something mean to you. And you said in your mind, in your heart, in your will, I hope someone betrays you like you betrayed me. Come on now. There it is. There it is. I've had Laura stop and say, Jordan, that's a horrible thing to say. You shouldn't say that. I'm like, I know I shouldn't say it, but I sure feel it. Right? And Paul is saying, when we live into the goodness and grace and blessedness of Christ, that somehow there is such a total transformation that someone that betrays you, you are able to say, may God bless you with a thing that is good. Maybe we should just step down and we'll just think about that for the next 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to think of like practical expressions of this because I'm re- really trying to do that through this series. And so I thought about uh, your work situation. Because all y'all have somebody at work that you don't like. A person that like gets on your nerves. Maybe that person that talks uh, about you behind your back. That person who steals your glory. That person who does something. What if, what if the next interaction you had with them where they know you, like, you don't like them. And you know they don't like you. And they know that you know that they don't like you. <laughs> and you stop and you say... May God bless you. You know what? In fact, let me embarrass Scott Dunphy right now because he had a situation just like this in the, the last job that he had, the like second to last job that he had, where his boss was coming down on him and eventually got him ruined and fired 
And he continued to speak grace in that situation. I was so proud of him in that as he talked about that. He didn't, he didn't pay me to say that, so <laughs> it just came to mind. We have examples of that. I think of other examples of that. Kelly's a good example of that. He's been dealing with some of that. Some of you are amazing examples of that. It is so hard to do. But what is Paul asking us to do? He's saying, stop that interaction, slow that interaction down, and you be grace in that moment. I think of our marriage situations. We have marriages in here that are struggling. I'm not calling anybody out because you guys keep it nice and quiet. (laughs) What if that next marriage fight that you get into where your spouse is coming at you hard and heavy and you know maybe she's right a little bit and so you got to fight even harder, right? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. What if you slow that interaction down and say, stop, let's just hold up for a second. Let me, let me speak some blessings over you. I mean, how, how different would our lives be? 150 people, thereabouts, how many people are here today, come flowing out of this building and into Portage and Kalamazoo. And the interactions that you have, you're slowing all of them down so that you can hear people's needs. And in those moments where it gets hot and people begin to say things that they don't mean. You ever done that? Say things you don't mean. Say things that you regret. Or say things that you really mean and you shouldn't say. Well, either way, we slow those down and begin to turn blessings on the people. You know, stop that fight and just say, if God could give you one good thing right now, what would it be? You just, you just, everything just got ruined. Like everything about that interaction just changed. I've been working on this in myself in my own life, and I got to tell you, I have I have interrupted two people so far over the past week with uh, opportunities uh, for me to speak a blessing over their lives. And every time they've looked at me like I was crazier than crazy, but every time they walked away smiling too. I just think we could have a powerful impact in the world if we begin to take these things more literally, more seriously, begin to see kind of how deep and controversial and difficult that is. I'm not trying to play you guys and say, like, this is really easy and you should, you're not going to have any trouble living this out. I'm trying to say, this is beautiful. The scriptures are talking about it. They're beautiful. And you know what they necessitate? They necessitate faith in a way that you've never had to have faith before. Because if you're interacting with that person on work, at work who wants to crush you underneath their boot, and you lay yourself down and say, let me speak a blessing in your life, they might just continue to crush you. Like, you need God to step into that moment and to really bless that person so that they can see that weirdo who just blessed me, there's something weird going on there. You need that faith. And so what I'm talking about here actually thinks creates a deeper kind of Christian. First, I think it forces us to pray in a more forceful way. Sometimes we are hold back so much in our prayer lives. Like, God, if you wish, God, if you will. Like, we're, we're so like, we're, we're so, oh, what's that scene in that mighty python? Stop groveling. Anybody? No. All right. You know, like we're always spending our time groveling. Like, Jesus talks about, ask boldly in my name and it will be given to you. Hebrews says, go into the place, the doors of the gates, of the, the curtain's been opened, go with boldness into the court. Like all of this boldness we should go before God in prayer, of course in humility, of course, because we're seeking the will of God. We're seeking God's blessing in the world for them. I love, um, I love the way it's put in 2 Corinthians 4, and I've talked about this before, but I love it. I, I go back again and again. Like you are the, the, the fragile Ziploc baggie that God has Put his blessed message in. And all of this stuff, we understand that as scripture talks, there is a barrier between the world and God. Right? Christians, you with me? 
What stands in the gap between that barrier? Who? You. You're the one here on earth that's blessing and praying and declaring and operating in grace. You are what they see. So let them see you pray. Let them see you bless. Let them see you love. Let them see grace. Pray with the force because what happens when you put yourself out there with somebody who doesn't believe or know God and you say, may God give you the desire of your heart. May God bless you and keep you, turn his face towards you and grant you peace. May God heal this brokenness in your life. You are inviting God to act in their life. And what happens if God doesn't show up? Oh man, that makes us nervous, doesn't it? Make your palms sweat. That's not on you, that's on God. And God acts when we invite him. Scripture again and again and again. It's almost like we don't believe in scripture. Like again, it says God wants to act. God wants to move. The spirit wants to live. Wants to breathe life into people. And you are the agent by which they know who God is. So pray more forcefully. It forces more faith. It slows down the interactions so we can actually listen to people. And listening is something I'm not seeing our society do anymore if they ever did. We ought to be the people that hear. What's that? What's James say? Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Quick to listen. Wait, strike that reverse. Somebody help me. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, right? Yeah, slow it down. And it initiates more of God's power into the life of other people. And isn't that what we're after? We're after seeing God act and move in new and powerful and unique ways. But how is he going to do that if you aren't inviting him to do that? Do you think the stranger that you meet, that the person who doesn't know God's going to do that? No, it, it's, it's on you. It's on me. It's on us. God has given us this glorious, wonderful mission to step into the world. Paul says something again, very much like we've been talking about here in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. What a great memory verse, huh? Sometimes we don't teach our kids the cool stuff in the Bible. You gotta stop there and ask some questions about those, those passages. That's hard stuff. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? Isn't that what Jesus did? He steps into the world. God, creator, by whom, for whom, through whom, all things are made. And he walks Palestine's dirty streets, endures our shame, is beaten, is scorned, is spit upon, is crucified. Why? All of that for us. And he says, listen, in this is glory. What a beautiful story. A story so captivating, so puzzling, so bizarre, so ununderstandable, incomprehensible. We're still talking about it 2,000 years later. What an incredible story. Do you want a piece of that story? Step in the world. Step in the world and pray over every need, every hurt, every ache, every pain. Every person who tries to hurt you, you know why? Because they're hurting and hurt people hurt people. People who are at peace don't bother hurting other people, right? That person who attacks you is hurting. And we are the people who stand in the gap 
and bless those who hate us. Because we know at one time we hated God and he blessed us. And we are now moving into the world in joy that they might see Christ in us. If you have a need this morning, a hurt, an ache, a pain, or maybe you have something good that's about to happen and you want one of our elders to speak a blessing over you, or maybe you just want somebody next to you that you know, say, share with them. They, they can bless and pray over you as well, right? Um, but we'll offer that opportunity if you need to come forward with we'll our elders on either side and they would love to pray over you as we stand for this last song.